0: It's the premiere of The Late Late Show. The production team have been furiously preparing for this live event for months. As the clock ticks away, getting closer and closer to airtime, everyone takes their places. Relatively unknown in the U.S., a British host is left alone with his microphone, ready to take over the show in front of millions of viewers. America is about to be introduced to the very funny and highly unpredictable James Corden.
1: I, I couldn't go back. You just put it out there.
0: She said you've got less than a list of the year to look This even deeper. Is the residue of desire Nobody else was doing it, so I couldn't. That
1: was the turning point.
0: Welcome to the Bucket Podcast with Phil Kogan. Every week I talk to mavericks, disruptors, and innovators. People who ditch the excuses, swerve off the predictable road, and epitomize what it means to tick it before you kick it.
2: We never wanted to make a show that started at 12.30. We had to make an entertainment show that would rival any time slot.
1: Anything that's good enough at 12.30 a.m. should be good enough to eat lunch with at 12.30 p.m. Ben Winston, the youngest showrunner in the history of late-night TV,
0: and Rob Crabby, the former supervising producer on The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon, are the executive producers of The Late Late Show with James Corden on CBS. It's a variety show, which made its U.S. television debut in 2015 after a successful run with Craig Ferguson, who was the host for almost a decade. It airs at the not-so-convenient time of 12.30 a.m., but has 16 million subscribers on its YouTube channel, and its interviews, performances, and skits have almost 5 billion views. Not bad for a show that's on first thing in the morning or super late at night, depending on how you look at it. In case you've been living under a rock or maybe avoiding major highways, James Corden from the UK became famous for the show's recurring segment called Carpool Karaoke. In this hugely popular skit, Corden invites famous musicians to ride shotgun and then sing along with him to their own songs. Adele, Paul McCartney, Madonna, Cardi B and the Red Hot Chili Peppers are just a few of the car crooners who have belted out their tunes while being belted in. Rob and Ben are pretty busy recording their live show every day, but I did manage to run into them between car rides and commercial breaks to hear how they came to be running one of the most well-known shows on network television. Good, Scott? Good, go. All right, I am with uh, Rob and Ben in California. The reason I wanted to have you guys in here was you've managed to cut through in a really competitive space in a very short amount of time. So I thought it'd be kind of interesting to hear the the story
1: about how this all happened. Because what dates back to 2015? 2015 is, uh, I think Ben, James, and I moved around the same date, January 3rd or something, 2015 to Los Angeles. And then we had about a month and a half to get the show, hire, I don't know, 125 people and uh, get the show up and running.
0: And Rob, you're obviously American. Ben, you're an Englishman.
2: I am, yeah, I'm a Londoner. A
0: a Londoner. And before 2015, had you guys
2: met? No. Um no, James and I had yes. we were friends. We've been mates since I was sort of 18. And uh Rob, uh we met Rob. I th- when did we meet you in October in, I think Octo- of 2014. Have been that late, really?
1: I think no, it was like end of October 2014. Okay. So we
2: yeah, so we, we we it was a rapid marriage. We met end of October, we moved to LA in January and then we were on air by March.
0: And how would you describe your relationship?
1: I mean, I
2: think that, uh, I mean, they very good. Uh, ben was going
1: somewhere else. Yeah, you, were, yeah, you were like yeah, taking it very I seriously. I in front of it. Uh, I think that uh, we've remarked to each other on it over the years now that we've done this, that like coming into it, he's very comfortable with his relationship with James. I wasn't that worried about my relationship with James. We were more concerned about how we would get along. Right. Because uh, we'd both done our own things leading up to that. And so suddenly uh, we were in this marriage. Yeah, And, uh, and you I had to get it, on and we had to get along uh, and I think it probably worked out better than we might have anticipated even.
2: Yeah, it's been incredible. It's uh, we're, incre- we're both unbelievably opinionated about what we like on the show and what we don't like. And we I can't remember really a disagreement in 600 shows. It's bizarre and I've never met anybody who thinks exactly the same way that I do about television.
0: Like sensibilities? Yeah,
2: like we'll watch an edit and, you know, we'll watch a 15 minute edit of a tape bit and I'll go in with the editor and Rob was in in the morning yeah. and, uh, and I'll give a load of notes that are quite intrinsic and say, you know, I want that three minutes out. I think this one minute should go at the end and that two minutes should go at the start. And the editor will look at me and he goes, yeah, Rob said the exact same thing this morning. So I was like, you know, that, and that's really remarkable, and I'm quite surprised by that. But we, when we, when we set off to do this, and the story of how James got the job is, is a, is a long one. I'm happy to go into it. But, uh, but uh, I, I was going to EP it, but was very aware that we needed to find somebody who would be able to partner on it. I think the job was too big, and I wouldn't have ever been able or wanted to do it. Uh, alone, and, and I was also very aware of what I didn't know, and I didn't know the American culture. I'd never produced a late night show, and uh, and we searched high and low to find somebody who was right. And we met loads of people, and our agents put us in touch with loads of people, and I and, and I met so many, and um, none really worked out. And then some a, a, a guy called Vinnie Favali called me and said, uh, "You should meet a guy called Rob Crab. He's he's brilliant, and I think you two would get along." And uh, he's working at Fallon at the moment. You were a supervising producer at yeah. Fallon? No. Supervising producer at Fallon, but has been there since Another the beginning. Another successful show. Very mm-hmm. successful show. It was real brains behind the success of that originally. And, uh, and so I was really intrigued to, to meet. And, we, um, and I, was, I remember I was producing X Factor in the UK at the time. And I was rapping that series before moving to America. And I remember I had all the contestants in a studio recording their final singles. Or at least that you know whatever we were recording that week in the studio, and I just said, "Look, I've got to go and take a meeting outside," and I didn't pretend it was about a different show. And it was pelting with rain, but nobody could hear this conversation because I didn't want anyone to know I was working on the Late Late Show. And all I remember was just walking up and down in the soaking rain, chatting to Rob on the phone with James as well. You know, we were on a three-way conference call, and sort of part going, "I need this to finish really quickly because I need to get back inside, and I'm soaking and cold, and have nowhere dry to go to take this call." But also uh, thinking. Um, You know, this is really great and I can't finish this phone call because it's the first time that we're chatting to somebody who understands what we want to do with this show, the ambition that we want, the entertainment factor, making a variety show, not wanting to just do a talk show every night because why would you do that when everybody else does? And so uh, we asked you to come to London, is Mm -hmm. that right?
1: I was living in New York uh, in Brooklyn. It sort of just moved to the, the dream house, the, the brownstone where I was going to raise my children. So basically he disrupted your whole life. I mean, it was incredibly disruptive. Because <laughs> uh, also, I'd like we had so specifically, my son was heading towards kindergarten. We had picked the place we wanted to live for the place he wanted to go to school and everything else. Which is a big and deal in New York. Big deal in New York. And my wife had actually said to me maybe three weeks before this phone call, uh, we were sitting there late at night, and she goes, you know what? I've been here for 15 years and I finally found the place I want to be.
2: Both of us had just got our essentially, you know, dream homes yeah. in Brooklyn and London respectively. And we
1: didn't really know like, um, even as we started the show and moved out here, I think we moved here on January 3rd and on January 7th, they sat the three of us in front of all the press at the TCAs. Yeah. For the winter TCAs, and everyone's grilling you on what the show is and what the show's going to be,
0: and who the hell is this? Like for you, you yeah. had To tell us the story, like you were like, I'm, I'm sorry, who? Yeah, is when gonna they be first when CBS
1: show? called me, I had to Google James Corden because uh, I had no idea who he was, uh, and so and he's like, and but then I like as I read about him, I was sort of even before I'd spoken to him, I was so taken by the idea that his biggest successes had come from writing. Uh, I mean, he had won the Tony at that point, but he had also, uh, kind of created his own success in Gavin and Stacey and writing that. Yeah. And so I thought that that's the kind of brain that could do very well at a show like this. And then when we first talked to each other, we didn't really, there was no, it wasn't like we were sitting there going like, all right, we'll put carpool karaoke in act two, and then we'll have a roll call in act three. Mm -hmm. All we had was sort of a shared emotional language. So we could only talk about how we wanted the show to feel. Yeah. And so, and we all, the adjectives and the descriptions words that we were using were all sort of the same words in the same language.
0: So you instantly recognized that this was a major talent, and I think you said somewhere where you realized he was an amazing actor, he was an amazing dancer, amazing singer, mm-hmm. and and then you just thought, well, we all we got to work on is just the interviewing skills, and then what standing and telling a joke. Yeah, or the
1: funny thing about James is uh, for being a late night talk show host, the two things he'd never done before were stand on a mark and tell a joke, and interview somebody. Right. Uh, in any real way, especially in the way that he has to do it now, where there's multiple guests out at the same time. And he's sort of hosting this little party. And so uh, and those are the biggest tropes of American late night television, of or the monologue and the interview.
0: So the, the reaction when you guys read the TCAs and you guys were getting grilled, they must have been there must have been some skepticism that where people are thinking, this guy's this guy's an actor. He's a writer. You know, why? Why is this guy going to be hosting this show? Mm. Why not an American, typical American talk show host?
2: It, we, the odds were stacked against us. Mm-hmm. And we came up against some really difficult things in those first two prep months. Um, the two main things that we came up against uh, that we had to battle, as well as just the simple logistics of employing 100 people and building a set in time, and and. Uh, and and working out the creative of the show was one nobody wanted to come on the show no guests Mm -hmm. wanted to come on the show because they didn't know who he was and every publicist was like well he could be one of those cynical english guys the piers morgans the simon cowls so i think a lot of publicists were like well you know what i'm gonna watch the first couple of weeks and i'm gonna see how it is and see how he is and who he is and then if i like it and if the show's doing well then i'll book my client and you were like well if you don't give us your guests, then it's going to be incredibly hard for us to, to succeed you. in those two mm-hmm, weeks. Because yes. people judge you on your first night, in truth. The, right. the other thing was, there was a lot of negative press about it. There was people saying, who the hell is James Corden? Why is it uh, an English guy? Uh, why is it this guy? Um, we had an issue with David Letterman, where, who's a hero of ours, but he came out and... Um, CBS originally put us on March the 9th. Yes. And then as we arrived on January the 1st, we were like, it's impossible to go March 9th. Let's delay till March 23rd. And everybody was fine with that at the network. They were like, sure, it's still two months out. No one even noticed. And unfortunately, um, David Letterman said on his show that night, I don't understand why this guy, there's obviously problems over there because the tubby guy is uh, delaying the show and the tubby guy is obviously... uh, getting worried about doing this show. And I think there's problems. Letterman was just being funny. yeah. And, And I think that if we weren't in the mix of it, if we weren't surrounded with... Like jobs to do and desperation to make this show great, where there was no problems we were we were doing great, and things things were going really well. but I suddenly think i don 't think he would have ever done it had he realized how much that probably did affect right. us, and mm-hmm. also it 's almost more difficult because I would say out of all the late night hosts, I mean Letterman is most people who work in television 's hero, yeah, but it was just those moments where him just being flippant and funny, actually was like, "Wow. Because the press, of course, pick up on it and go, well, maybe there is problems over there. And who right. are the guests? And why is it, what, you know, why has it been delayed? And suddenly, so I think that we felt up against it. I think mm. we felt pressure to deliver. Um, and then things started going our way a little bit. Tom Hanks agreed not only to be our first guest but also when we pitched him an idea for the show which was so important for our show we never wanted to be the show that was just a talk show we think we've always felt with James's skill set if we deliver a talk show every night we've wasted like what was what was the point of James doing that like he's got so much more to his armory
0: would it be fair to say more of a variety yeah, for show sure. than a talk show so
2: when tom hanks agreed to recreate all of his movies in 6 minutes with james st- starring opposite him we immediately had a show where suddenly we had a, a, you know, a, a really funny opening sketch, yeah. which was very self-deprecating with loads of cameos. Not the Tom Hanks one, but another one we shot. And we got loads of favors in there. We had great guests with Mila Kunis and Tom. We had a brilliant sketch where he did his whole movie career. And then we also, James finished it with a really meaningful, beautiful song. He ended the show with a song, which was also very funny. So suddenly within that first hour, we'd shown we had star capability, we'd shown James's acting chops in a brilliant sketch, we'd shown that we had viral hits because the next morning that Tom Hanks sketch started building and building online and he'd sung. So we'd done a really great hour that was packed full saying this is who we are and we're not going to deliver you what I think you've seen maybe on other shows. Um, And so that's when, it was literally, I feel like that hour, that hour was the most defining hour for us of our careers in a way, because it so easily could have gone the other way. And it wasn't about the rating that night, which was good. It wasn't about the numbers, it wasn't about any of that. It was about that we showed that James had these unbelievable talents and we were bold and ambitious and gonna really try and do something every night and then the next night we did Carpool Karaoke mm-hmm. for the first time the next night we did a soap opera sketch with Chris Pine and um, Patricia, okay. Patricia okay. and the fourth night we did a show from somebody's house on the street we went down knocked on somebody's house they yeah. opened the door we moved the set in <laughs> and we literally did a, we did a show from their house. Tommy's, uh, house Tommy's house with Jeff Goldblum as our guest and Beck playing in their kitchen and they had no idea what had hit them because they had no idea about it we just knocked on their door so in that first week we went you may not have heard of any of us you may not have heard of James, you may not have heard of us, but we are. If we're going to go down, we're going to go down fighting, and, and that was, was that, and that defined it.
0: What was that like for you, just just to be a part of that? Because obviously Ben had has this long relationship yeah. going back to when they were eighteen. You're suddenly now a part of this team, right? Mm-hmm. What was that week like for you when you when you realized, wow, this guy really has some amazing talent, and there's this great potential here?
1: Well, we've been spending so much time together leading up to that, so I sort of had an idea of it, and then the fact that we came out. Uh, with all that stuff, what I realized was that it ended up being an advantage that James was unknown because for all the Americans that saw that show, they got to discover him for the first time. Mm. So he got to be everybody's new discovery. Tell
0: us about the the format too, because when people tuned in, they also saw a different format. They suddenly saw that all Mm. the guests were there Mm -hmm. and and that had come from an English format, right? And that's a big move too, to try that in America.
1: Well, I think that, uh, yeah, for these guys, that's sort of how they know those shows is that everybody kind of comes out at once, but here it's unusual. And I think, to Ben's point earlier about how we were having trouble booking the show because yeah. no one wants to be first trying to book the show and get somebody to be first and also trying to explain to public system managers that all the guests come out at the same time is then they're like, "Well, yeah, but who's the first guest?" No, 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 there is no yeah. lead guest. Right. No, but when they come out, who's walking in they, front? Yeah, it's just it was just very hard to process the idea that everybody came out at once. But then we were so lucky in Tom Hanks and Mila Kunis being our first guest because obviously giant stars and their willingness to come out together it's sort of hard after that to say well tom hanks would do it yeah like you've got to be willing to do this yeah yeah i mean mean, tom hanks had no problem with it yeah uh he's tom hanks mila kunis is fine with it and so that ended up being sort of another uh arrow in our quiver i guess for trying to get the show booked i've read stories about you guys literally going around to
0: publicists and like Mm -hmm. listen and i wanted to hear a little bit of of that struggle because we see the success but it was a big buildup.
1: Yeah, it's just a lot of skeptical people, I think. Uh, James went to those meetings, and he sort of was there to introduce himself and show that he's not a scary person, a uh, very friendly guy, uh, good in a room. Uh, but I think that there's just skepticism. Uh, and I understand it. I think that if you are responsible for a client, and uh, you don't want to, no one wants to be the canary in the coal mine. Yeah. Uh, you sort of want to, uh, you want to see somebody else try it out first. Yeah, no um, one wants
2: to be a canary in a coal mine.
1: No, no, Is that a common phrase? It, it doesn't, in, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't I mean, really go does down that well. Canary <laughs> in the coal mine? No one has to be a canary. Canary I, I wouldn't want to be a
2: canary I, or in a coal mine I don't know so the know, canary down the for the know.
1: gas and then if the canary dies but it's, you know the gas
0: I, you've there. got to you've got to admire the, him for his what are you his, talking about his this understanding is a very of his have you never
2: heard that before I've never heard anything really? I would I have, have thought that was heard.
0: more English and American I'm impressed that you pulled that one out never, so, so I yeah, don't know when he's seen canaries or coal mines well they didn't like it but they had to go down there to help protect the coal mines I don't know what's happened to Rob and there was probably more coal miners here What? well in England I mean that's a coal mining place I'm
2: shocked that this show survived when we have <laughs> Rob talking about coal mines and canaries. I think it just speaks
0: too. to the depth of his Thank education. You Thank that's you yeah, I'm, you. Too. I'm, yeah, that's I'm that's super impressed movies. with Thank your you. thing. I think one of the greatest things that's come out of him coming to America and obviously your collaboration is his carpool karaoke. Um, and I, I'm, I'm just interested in some of the funnier stories because when I see then when I see James with his guests singing, yeah. I'm just wondering what happens sometimes when cars pull up alongside and they see mm-hmm. you know, Mariah Carey in there full-on singing, belting one out, you know, and they're just yeah. going for it. Yeah, What is that like? Do you guys go round and round in a circle or because you
1: want the light coming in a certain way, you go in a straight line or? Yeah, I mean, it, it depends on who it is and where they're going to be. They notice a lot more now than they used to. Uh, I think Mariah, we are in residential and probably got away with that one. Uh, Michelle Obama was very much in a circle
2: inside the White House property.
1: Are you serious? Yeah, that's about. Yeah,
2: that was it. We went there, and yeah, we just drove around. She wasn't allowed to leave the premises, obviously. So we went. um, And
1: certainly not with James Corden driving her. No,
2: (laughs) but she was. Yeah, she. uh, Yeah, that was in the White House. It depends. I mean, people do notice us now. Uh, It's also quite a big. We're quite a big unit, so what, what we have is we have a uh, a car that James follows mm-hmm. because I don't want him to have to think about where he's driving. I do or worry about his driving sometimes. because yeah. well, I mean, He's, he's, a he's a bit. getting distracted. Yeah. Yeah. With, uh, no, he's not. He's, he, we drive quite slowly. We hold up a lot of traffic. So you've got a lead car that and I, you're proud of that. Uh, holds up the traffic. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. Not, too much. Killing, <laughs> not killing a pop star. You know, is we're is bringing something a, we're proud of. Phil, we're bringing joy to Garnier. people's lives. That's more important than anything. Come on, deal with it. So we've got a lead car that doesn't go too fast yep. and so that James doesn't really have to think and can just follow. Um, and then in the car behind is, is us. We're in, we're in there. We've got our full sort of control room gallery with monitors so we can see every camera angle. How many cameras normally? Um, it, it depends if there's anybody in the back, but nine. Wow. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah. I would say two on the external. So about nine tiny little cameras, yeah. like little GoPros. Um, and then we have a follow van where we have comms to James so we can speak to him if we need to, but we rarely do. Uh, we also have a camera in that car because we often sh- cut to the camera that follows James. So that's in the same car that I am. And then behind that is a big van with all the publicists and the makeup artists and the managers of the, whoever the artist is, which sometimes can be like one person who's just come along for the ride. And other times, if it's certain artists, it can be a whole entourage in there. Uh, they can't have any, they don't be able, they're not able to see it They can hear it though. We managed to put it through the radio. And then behind that is four more cars. What? Because if they were to stop on the side of the street and somebody was to run up in the window and take a selfie, or if they were to have a conversation with someone, which has happened, there was, you know, there was a moment in Rod Stewart's carpool early on where they wound down the window and they started singing with the car next door, then we need to get a release form. So then one of those four, so I will then radio going, I want to use that bit, or I don't like that bit or whatever it is. And then that car will then follow the car that we've got to get them to sign a release form. you said four cars. Because Mm -hmm. if that car's gone, then, and then, three then more they'll, in, they'll more. never find us again. Yeah. So they've just gone off to find that I release. See. And then there's another three to release. I really bit. thought this out. So with Cardi yeah. B, for example, the other day, we drove past a group of school kids in the park and they all ran and started screaming and she was screaming at them. And it's a really funny bit. It's in the first five minutes of the carpool. So one, luckily we have those cars so yeah. they could get park, get those you know kids' addresses and releases and check their parents were happy with them being on the show. But then of course that car is gone now because they're never gonna find us. We're 15 minutes further down the road. So it is a huge operation, but yet the genius of Carpool and the reason truthfully why it works, and of course brilliant music and great chat comes into it, but actually it's the intimacy. Yeah. So although there's a lot of people around, for James and whoever the talent is, they don't see any of it. There's no one in the car. They don't see any of the people behind. They don't see any of... There's no makeup artists watching. There's no managers. There's no publicists. There's no lights that they can see. There's no microphones. There's no cameras really visible. There's a visible. real intimacy. So suddenly, it's just two people on their own in a closed, quiet car. Yeah. And actually, I think that people... Um, People often give credit for carpool because of the music and the jokes within it. And I think that's lovely. But actually, I think James deserves a huge amount of credit for the interviews. Mm -hmm. Because I think they're Howard Stern level in a way. Because he gets stuff out of people um, because of the intimacy and the warmth. The intimacy of the car and the warmth of his personality. And, you know, you just get people really opening up. You know, Michelle Obama talking about her code names or you know, Gaga being really honest about the dresses she's worn or, you know, we get really beautiful moments from people in the chat and, and, and it's a very trusting environment. We've create we've worked really hard to create the quietest, most intimate environment that gets the moments that millions of people around the world are watching.
1: Yeah. And it was inspired from an idea in England, right? The 2011. Yeah. These guys had done a, uh, thing for Red Nose Day with George Michael. Hmm. Uh, there was a bigger sketch with James's character from Gavin and Stacey Smithy. Uh, but I think one of the parts that people really grabbed hold of, and Ben knows this better than I do, was the part where George Michael and Smithy, James Smithy, were singing George Michael songs in the car, and so that's kind of where it started from.
0: And but M- Mariah Carey really was the one that really opened the door for you guys. I mean, I- I'm just wondering she, how you she. pitched this to to a big. I mean, now you've She's got
1: everybody unbelievably helpful to us in the sense that she said yes, right? Because it was another one of those. And why things did she say yes? How do you, you don't convince want to be her?
2: first? We didn't convince her. I don't she know that know. she knew what she was doing. She didn't know about it. If you watch that back, the first thing she says when he turns on the radio is she looks at him and she goes, oh, I'm not singing today. Uh. I'm not singing. I'm not going to sing. And he went, you have to. It's carpool karaoke. You can see that moment. Genuinely. go. So back that's a real moment. It's I thought that moment. was
0: just her. No, no, no she didn't know.
2: Her publicist, basically, we met. Because yeah. we had a little uh, uh, pizza party. We right? had a pizza party at our office. We basically asked everybody to do carpool. Think of an artist. They definitely said no. No one was interested in any way because um, it would make their clients look silly. I, I don't know. There would was, just, this is why? Why would we do that? Is an unknown bloke in a car singing my hits? No yeah. one. Yeah. Like it's just why Where's would anybody? Do it? Where's my band? Where's my whatever? Yeah. Well, With no. This. Yeah. I mean, and also you got to think about it in that you know artists go on television shows. Yeah. And, and things, they will yeah. only play the song that you don't want to hear, which is the new one. So why yeah. the hell would they play all their hits? Like they just don't do that. Yeah. Carpool's genius because ultimately you get. Sure, you can sing your new one, but then you you're know what's on the radio, dancing. and you're yeah, you're getting all the hits. We met his her, Mariah's publicist, it was a lady at Sony. Her, um, I, I forget her name off the top of my head. I, if she's watching, then she, I'm very grateful to her. Um, and uh, and and she had seen that George Michael clip where James and she sort of got it, and I think she pitched it to Mariah saying george michael did it james is really funny this will be great for you we'll have editor you know we can see the edit and i'm don't worry about it she got it And and mariah i think obviously trusted her publicist and just went okay fine and we literally drove to her house we parked outside her house She walked out, she met James. James was really charming. She sat in the car and then he won her over. And you see in that carpool, which is only like seven minutes long. I mean, now they're like 15 minutes because we know what we're doing. That back then was seven, eight minutes. And um, she was really funny in it, but didn't really know what was going on, but was wonderful. Um, And within 24 hours of that going online, it had 14 million views. And suddenly the music industry was like, and I think her greatest hits album went back up in the charts. And I think people were, the music industry was suddenly like, how, how many hits yeah. did that get? So just repeat um, that again. It had how many views? 14 million in, in a, about a day and a half, yeah. two days. It took off really quickly. Was, and then it, it kept massive. growing and growing and growing.
1: Yeah. And then, uh, and you think and the, the, to the intimacy of it, like a Mariah Carey or like Elton John. Elton John probably had I mean, been that alone was, in a car for awesome. 40 years. Right. There's always somebody else in that car. Right. And so now he's just suddenly sat alone with James. And so you can cruise around and get a better interview than you'd otherwise get. And you get to hear all the songs and people. And then in at that level, when people are saying yes to it, uh, it just grows and grows. Stevie wonder did it. Oh, and that, I think was, that, yeah, his, that was his, um, his greatest hits album after that carpool hadn't charted in like yeah. 12 years or something. And was suddenly a top five or top 10 album. And that's when people are like, all right, this is so a thing. do you
0: yeah. now have big stars coming to you saying, Hey, we want to do it. And then you're in a position well, where very, you can pick and choose. And- there's
2: very few. Well, I wouldn't be as arrogant to say as we pick and choose, but there isn't an artist I don't think. I mean, we haven't done Beyonce. uh, We haven't done Taylor Swift yet. There's artists that we haven't done. But maybe it hasn't. The list is incredible. Lady Gaga,
0: Foo Fighters, Britney Spears, Stevie Wonder, as you said, One Direction, Adele, Barbara Streisand. I mean, come on. Yeah, well, it sells records. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It sells records and they always come across great. So... The, the, the two biggest achievements I think of when I think of Carpool which is what and record labels notice these things because I think there's very few things on television now where an artist can go on and they sell records Saturday Night Live I think does okay mm-hmm. for selling records I don't think it does as well as it used to do I think The Voice does really well and Carpool does brilliantly for these artists both their old hits and their new one um, Adele who needs no help selling records she needs that no help. It was one of my favorites. it was an amazing series. they were she just was, so they were brilliant together yeah. but there was a song that the three of us loved on her album called all i ask and it was a real album track but and it was never going to be a single and it never ha- has been a single but it's on her album and it was amazing and we all loved it and james was obsessed with it and so we said to adela's we were there that day shooting we're like look would it be all right if we did this album track with you, All I Ask? We think there's really nice harmonies. We think it could be right. And she's wonderful. She was like, sure, that'd you know that be great. That song, of course, the album was number one, number one, number one, selling all over the world. But the actual, that specific song, All I Ask was number 93 in the singles charts because it was an album, like no one was buying her singles. They were buying her album. Why would they have bought her single? Within 24 hours, our, our carper with Adele, it went from 93 to number three. And so... Even with Adele, you know, who needs no help selling records, we were helping sell singles of of random songs that weren't even even her single. She never wanted that to be a single. and so, and you know I'm not for any second saying we deserve any credit for Adele's success. She, we we well, are successful because of doesn't, Adele doesn't yeah. hurt. no but 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 we, thanks to her agreeing to do our show, yeah, uh, and she does very little, and she's very picky about what she does, because why should she do anything? She's unbelievable. right um, she came, she did our show, uh, and that is the biggest watch clip in the history of late night television. It's on 190 million views. And, um, and it's, and it's like, it will always- It's mind blowing. Yeah. And yeah. it's- The and it's, numbers are mind blowing. Yeah. Paul McCartney, for example, has oh, a hundred what? and- that th- was, by the way, I'm so sorry. McCartney just to say a, the yeah. Paul McCartney thing. I mean, <laughs> yeah, th- do lucky. you
0: ever pinch yourself? Do you think that sure. you're, you're doing a, a piece with Paul McCartney? You're following Paul McCartney around in his car, going to his old neighborhood, going <laughs> to a pub, pulling back the curtain, literally, and putting on a show and the look on those people's faces. I mean, it's just to be a part of something like that, a, a piece of entertainment with a great talent, it, it, you must get goosebumps. Yeah, I think
1: that one was really special. And I also think that that one, because of, when Paul was in the car and he said, uh, this will be the first time I go into this house since I lived here. Yeah, Then you know you have something really, really special. And that, and it's also now that will become part of his legacy, yeah. in the sense that for decades to come, CBS will be getting calls to license footage from that, because it's yes. Paul McCartney visiting his childhood home. yeah, And then getting to surprise people, and you see how much he means to the people in Liverpool. When everybody on the streets clamoring to come up and say, My brother's named after you, we played this song at my dad's funeral and it's just you see how like impactful he is.
0: Well that's that intimacy that you were talking about before too, and that connection and and the fact that, you know, James is able to facilitate that too. You know, he knows when to step in, he knows when to step back and let the star be the star, but then also that yeah. he can play with them equally. Mm-hmm. I'm just interested to know whether Did you ever in your wildest dreams imagine that that this would go so viral, that these pieces would go so viral?
1: And this sort of numbers, did you ever see it? I don't think you can predict or guess at anything like that, Uh, especially like how crazy some of them went. I think that, uh, no, it's an incredibly pleasant surprise.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that, I agree with Rob, we could never predict it would have been as big, but without question, we as a show from day one, put the emphasis on the digital market. Yeah. So the fact that we were going for a digital success isn't a surprise. It's the the success side is a surprise, but we didn't stumble into having YouTube success. We also knew Carpool was a good idea. Yeah. That wasn't like, that didn't surprise us.
1: But the,
0: but the idea that you went after digital. Well, we said
2: when we stuck with it, literally my first meeting uh, with CBS, I remember it really clearly. We sat in a restaurant and um, I'd flown out to meet them. They'd met James. They'd liked James, and, uh, but they didn't really know what the show was. And I'd met, I was meeting, I think they were meeting six or seven other EPs and uh, production companies to discuss if they would do it. So I didn't really think I was ever going to get the job myself. Mm-hmm. But one of the main things that we spoke about was for CBS and for this show, we had to embrace the digital age. There was no point making a show, especially for young people, and especially with James's talents, which was gonna be on at 12.37 at night. And get yeah. buried. Yeah, what's the point? Yeah. Our egos are too big to make a show for the middle of the night. There's, there is just no point, especially in this day and age. James says it best. He says that he is his biggest fan. He thinks he's more handsome, more entertaining, more funny than anyone. And even he cannot stay awake for his own show. So how can he expect anybody else to? And I, so and, and I sort of agree. It's like, we never wanted to make a show that started at 12.30. We were in no interest. We wanted to make a show, and everybody who works for us knows this. We make a show that launches at 12.37. If you wanna be one of the ridiculous people who stays up and has no life the next morning and watch it live as it goes out at 12.37 till 1.37, be our guest. But that's not who we're making a show for. And that's why it's so loud and entertaining because what we realized early on was for this show to be successful, we were competing with the breakfast news because in the morning, instead of watching the breakfast news, maybe you could watch us on your laptop. Or instead of watching Ellen in the afternoon, maybe you'll watch us on your phone. Or instead of watching Fallon in the evening, maybe you would watch last night's show on your tablet. And we were very aware that we had to make an entertainment show that would rival any time slot. And also in this day and age, time slots for us, unless you're in live entertainment or award shows or sports, they're dead. Yeah, it's Time's that Schedule's Schedules a thing of the past. Do you think yeah. my two-year-old daughter is going to know what time one of her shows are on? Do you think she's going to go, Dad, Peppa Pig, it's, it's eight o'clock, Peppa Pig's on. Yeah. It's like when she wants it, Peppa Pig. It's a show she likes. Oh, okay. When she wants it, it's on. And therefore the older producers and the older generation have caught like us, not that yeah. we're that old, but you catch on to the fact that actually you cannot make shows anymore for a time slot unless you're in prime time. And so therefore we had to be hugely ambitious with what we wanted to do with Tom Hanks. Hugely ambitious with what we wanted to do with Mariah Carey. Because we weren't competing against Seth Myers and Nightline in our time slot. We didn't care about it. We were competing with everybody else. And the only way we could do that was with YouTube and Facebook and digital and CBS All Access and all the other elements that would make our show successful. And if we hadn't embraced it, we wouldn't be in 150 countries right now every night. We wouldn't have six or seven billion views online, which is mm-hmm. what we're up to. Um, and we wouldn't have people clam- you know, Tom Cruise wanting to jump out of a plane on our show or Paul McCartney wanting to take us to his house. Yeah. And it's only because we embrace digital age. So mm-hmm. was it a shock that we were successful? Yes, because we are very um, modest people. We're not, we didn't walk into this going, we're going to be a hit. But was it a surprise that we were successful online? No. We knew what we were doing when it came to online. That's why we started the show.
0: So would it be fair to say that you're not like chomping at the bit to see what the ratings are night after night? You're more thinking about, well, how many hits are we getting
1: online? Well, yeah. I mean, no, definitely not chomping at the bit to see what the ratings are because you have no control over it. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I was, always said like you can't control your ratings, but you can control your relevancy. Right. And so you can try and be relevant by uh, putting yourself in enough places to get eyeballs on it in other ways. And so for us, that's we wanna be popping up in your Twitter feed the next day. We want people to be sending out clips from our show. We wanna be on your Facebook. We want your family to share our clips. And uh, anything that's good enough at 12.30 a.m. should be good enough to eat lunch with at 12.30 p.m. What about the pressure of
0: having to keep reinventing? Well, not reinventing, but just maintaining pressure. where you're at. I mean, you're, you're part of this zeitgeist right now. Mm-hmm. Do you ever wake up in the middle of the night and think, oh, man, we've got to keep doing something new, fresh, oh, different constantly? we're constantly looking for new
1: ideas and thinking about what we can be doing. Because we also, you know, uh, these things have a shelf life. So you need to be creating new ideas, like new things, new content, new ideas, uh, so the other ones don't get too stale. Because mm. the one thing that, like, the show's very well known for Carpool Karaoke, but we don't do it very often. And so we need other stuff to be filling those hours and pieces that can take off, whether it's um, Crosswalk the Musical or 4D Theater, where we recreate the Avengers live inside of a movie theater for an unsuspecting audience. Like, we just constantly need to be coming up with new stuff to move forward uh, for our own sanity and just for the success of the show, I think. Mm. I think
2: one of the negatives of having such success early on is that you've, you know, set yourself a high task to keep relevancy mm-hmm. because the one thing that frightens any late night host and any late night EPs is that you won't be relevant anymore and you won't be the thing that people want to be on or talk about and so that definitely keeps us up at night it does it definitely keeps James up at night we'll often get 4am text saying you know I don't feel we're doing enough cool things this week or are we are we really hitting home this week is it working we never really want to coast Mm -hmm. if we've done a show with a monologue an average bit of comedy that's just sort of a desk bit and then a talk three talk segments with three half decent guests and some music we'll all go home slightly miserable because it was like well anyone could have made that and anyone could have hosted that it's only on the nights where we do hugely ambitious things and you know things that we know are going to travel and things that we know people are going to talk about that we go home satisfied um because that's what we came here to do uh and that's why uh yeah, so there is a pressure for sure i I did see the the great
0: best of two thousand and eighteen looked at the the clips there's some fantastic clips we talked about Paul McCartney, some great karaoke moments other karaoke moments um the 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 cross uh, walk musical. What are things that maybe people could go check out that you oh, would like if gems. they haven't seen it, uh, right? Well, like that you would go. That's a good question. Uh, like the
1: best, your best moment from two thousand eighteen. Oh uh, well, I mean, I think there's uh, the Tom Cruise uh, jump oh, out of the airplane yeah. is oh, a yeah. really funny bit oh, isn't it? that My I think, uh, and it's very impressive. And Tom was unbelievable in it, and that's worth seeing. Um, then, uh, like personally, I like some of the smaller stuff we did. Like there was a bit where we we shoot above prices, Right. So we borrowed one of their um, most famous games, cliffhangers, uh, where a guy, yodeling guy, climbs a mountain, but it took a tragic turn when he fell off the mountain, and then his son came to find his father. Like, it's just a really stupid, ridiculous piece, but it was very well written, uh, and I thought that was a very funny thing. If they want to see other stuff that we do that aren't the huge visual splashes, Um, oh, and the oh, sorry, one more, Uh, the uh, the the train thing with Jamie Dornan it was the 50 Shades, oh yeah, Fifty
2: Shades of Grey spoof that we did
1: where James uh, wanted to show him his uh, playroom which in Fifty Shades of Grey I think I haven't seen but I think is uh, of course you've seen sexually it, uh, uh, charged. You've read the book haven't you? Yeah and, and James is a he's a model train enthusiast so he wants to show Jamie Dorn it. it turns into oh, an it erotic uh, scene between two men playing with uh, model trains. Yeah that's worth watching. Uh, that's a good one. That is worth watching that's a good one.
2: I feel did like... you ever
0: imagine this life Ben, I mean, because you're, you're the 33 year old EP of a late show, youngest yeah. ever, I believe, right? Right. Even younger than, than you, right? Right. You've been yeah. considerably younger yeah. than me. Um, so, I'm I mean, not
2: 33 now. I was when I started. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I know you're. Not, I wish I was I'm 33. Just, 33. You've, <laughs> no, you've been very lovely. You're,
0: you still look 33, but I'm just Thank saying, you. did you ever imagine this no. life? Because I know that at one point, you, you even thought of giving up the business
2: altogether, right? Like, there was a point where. There was a point where we started my company, Fullwell, and we pitched a show to MTV. And MTV kept us working on it for six months. And then at the end of it, they turned to us and said, look, we're gonna make the show, but we're not gonna do it with you as a production company because you're too young and inexperienced. And they went off and did it in house. They stole our show. And they can sue me with pleasure, Phil, if they'd like to, we'd love to. Uh, I'm very friendly with them all now, it's fine. Uh, But it was a very dark time as a young guy who'd just come out of university. I mean, we're 13 years years ago, 15 years ago. Early 20s. yeah and uh that was a really horrible time I was thinking well if this is the way this industry is then I'm not sure it's something I want to be part of um but we did you know you do carry on and then we made a film called In the Hands of the Gods that did well and suddenly our company was sort of got a lifeline really but it was a it was a dark time because I felt like uh that was a, a would work so hard on something for it to be taken and be on air. We were able to watch it, you know. So you it lasted watched two your seasons. idea go to air. Yeah, it was on. It was for two seasons. But you um, did
0: get a little revenge, I understand. Yeah, we did. Yeah, how'd we, that go?
2: Well, we did a film. We did a film uh, called "In the Hands of the Gods" that did very well. And a year later, MTV, different department people, whatever, called us and said, "Look, we love this film. We'd love to do an hour special on the movie." And uh, and we, me and my partners, who had been, you know through it all together we were like should we do this it's like we're dancing with the devil doing an hours documentary on mtv when they stole our idea and in the end we thought we need to actually because the film needs the publicity so we did it and uh and uh, i turned up to the interview and unzipped my top and i had a t-shirt that I had specially made for the interview that said uh the name of the producer who we dealt with and um you know let's for argument's sake call her sally And it was uh, who's laughing now, Sally, and uh, with her name on it. And so the guy who was interviewing me said, oh, what's that T-shirt? I said, oh, it's a whole range of new brands. It's like, what's cooking, Sally? What's hanging, Sally? I'm just wearing the who's laughing now. And they totally bought it. And of course, my colleagues, my partners were so delighted. And then they repeated that twice a day on every MTV channel, MTV Base and MTV UK, Every day, twice a day for two weeks. So we were sort of on their network going, Who's laughing now? But did we imagine that it would be here now? No, but I don't think we, Rob and I, ever stop and go, Oh, isn't this great? We, you know, I, Maybe I think you if should you, though no, sometimes, but, right? But like, then yeah. you'll stop making good stuff. Really? I think, you I think, think if you stop so. and just
0: have a wine and go, Wow, this is a. Maybe this we'd this have, have pretty a, cool. yeah, I don't know.
1: I don't know. It's hard to have any real perspective on it because it's yeah. still the daily grind of it. <laughs> yeah. It's not like we get to spend much time looking back because uh as you you know sort of indicated earlier just the pressure of coming up with new stuff and moving forward that's a kind of that's what i think about a lot more than what we've done in the past mm, nice is way. what we're going to do next and so uh yeah maybe uh years from now we'll be able to toast it and hopefully it's all gone successfully but uh it's hard to pause now plus you don't want to uh you don't want to give yourself that credit because right. you want to uh, keep pushing yourself forward and pushing the show forward.
2: And I think that also is to a certain extent with our show that comes from James as well. He has a this ferocious ambition. I'll never forget the morning after we won the first two Emmys that we won in our first year. And we got everyone together in the production office. And, uh, and you know, oh. Rob and I said thanks to the team. And, we said, and, you know, obviously all of you guys couldn't be there last night. But we we were thinking of you all night. Like, you know, like it was hard because of course you can't bring a hundred people to the Emmys, but we, you know, we win, we win this with you and da, da, da. And I said, James, do you want to say any words? And he didn't mean it like this. He didn't mean to, it to come out like this, but it was just what he was feeling. He said, yeah, it's great. Congratulations everybody. But the thing that worries me now is, uh, you know, we just, the level can't drop. There's an expectation now. So today's show just needs to be better than yesterday's because, you know- That's where his head is. Yeah, yeah and he said that to the team. And the team were all like, we've won an Emmy. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is that first time in their careers, they're young kids. Like... And he was like, it's just, you know, tomorrow's show is the thing that you all need to be focusing on now because you set yourself a level that we've now got to keep going to. Yeah. So <laughs> this is sort of irrelevant. That was great, a good year, and now what's next? And and, and it, was, it was said with love. It was said with an encouragement because yeah. he's the most wonderful leader of our team. But it was really interesting. That's the way his brain is. He's a guy who... Is never going to sit around and pat himself satisfied. on the back. Yeah. Right. He's going to laugh at what we do. He's delighted. He loves his life. It's amazing. But we will never, you know, he's gone to Katz for a week. And as he was leaving and going to the airport, he went, Hey, guys, you got five days. So, for, so great. Should, this should be Make a great, some good stuff happen. No, this should be a great time for everyone to think some new ideas. Yeah, hey? exactly. Let's do it. Can't new ideas. We need see no all the rest. new ideas when I get <laughs> yeah. back.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's a it's a great way to strive for, for excellence. I think I mean, so. Yeah, because you're always looking forward. Um, the fact that you guys have achieved what you've achieved, you know, a lot of people wanting to get into television, I'm sure you get asked the question a lot, just um, what, what to do in terms mm-hmm. of getting into the industry. You got, had a bit of a knock when you were younger. And, and I read this uh, quote from you, said, um, I think it was from you, uh, Ben, who said, don't be a dick, uh, keep up good relationships. Be open-minded to everyone you meet. Understand that you might be asking the person getting your coffee today for a job tomorrow. And there is a level of kindness that is necessary in the business. So
1: do you remember who said that? I don't know. I say the don't be a dick thing a lot. probably I think, probably my, you uh, I think yeah. those are... Uh, I think it's Robbie's words. Cause I, uh, good, I wouldn't, be that, I wouldn't yeah, be that I well-spoken. I wouldn't be that well-spoken. Yeah, I always try and tell... Because uh, people do come for advice and yeah. uh, or you know the PAs schedule time to come chat about like what their future looks like. Um, and I think that you can't predict what relationships are going to be important to you, especially when you're starting out And I also think that people put too much emphasis on that first job. Yeah, I think that uh, You just want to get a foot in the door and then you do a job and you meet people and then you go to do another job And you meet people and then it's about sort of staying in touch with those people and also not being a pest but then also just being nice because I think that uh the people, you know, the, the screamers and the phone throwers and stuff like that. I, I don't know if there's still space for that sort of attitude in this industry. And we've all seen those people throw things and yeah, jump they, up and down. And it used to make you very successful. Yeah. I just don't know that it works necessarily that exact way anymore. Yeah. And I think that uh, you have to be careful because, uh, not careful, careful is the wrong word, but there's such an opportunity to produce content now. Uh, with digital cameras and the ability to go out and shoot something with your UCB class, you could be shooting a pilot for a show that's going to be the next giant sitcom uh, with your buddies on a weekend. And so there's uh it, it doesn't have to follow a traditional pattern anymore. Yeah. You don't have to suck up
0: in the same way to make content, right? I mean, no, it's not like like, you don't need as many people to open up the doors.
1: Yeah, and those relationships uh, with your buddies from UCB or Improv Olympics will be as important yeah. as your relationship with uh, the executive producer of the show you're currently on. Yeah. Uh, because those are people that are going to be creating things going forward. And so take advantage of all of that stuff.
2: The other thing I'd add to that, because I think it's, I think you're often, what I say to young people when they come and see us is, you are learning all the time without realizing it. So you've got to really take as much as you can from every experience. When I'm lucky enough to produce the Grammys or whatever, and I'm working on a, a Bruno Mars number, and I'm tweaking a light and wanting to turn something from purple to red, it's because when I was 14, I joined the lighting club at my high school and I learned how to light all the school plays and I got really into it so that now I'm there doing that. When I'm telling the director, I was really hoping we could get a a wider frame of that. It's because when I was at uni, I was actually learning about what frames would look better and sitting in edits and going, that wouldn't look great. When I'm chatting to the talent and trying to get what i want out of them it's because when i was doing work experience at a radio station and i had to go and pick up the guests and get and talk to them in the elevator all the way up and get them a coffee i learned how to speak to a talent and when i uh, uh, you know and and so every bit you do mm-hmm. whether it be joining a lighting club at school or a work experience or getting somebody a coffee or watching directors work on your way up or uh, everything you do will educate you and contribute to the job that you end up doing, and the more experience that you've had in every element of this business, uh, whether it be holding a boom mic like I did at 18 on a, on a in India or on a movie that I managed to blag my way onto, or or, or, or you know the work experience at, you know on a on a show that I met James Corden on, wherever it is, you don't know where it's going to lead you. And as long as you take as much as you can from those experiences, and you watch and learn both good people and bad people. Because it's both. It's actually watching It's watching somebody and going, that's brilliant. And watching somebody going, I don't know if that is. And why isn't that? And really having your eyes and ears open. That means that when you're stood in a place being as lucky as we are to produce a late night show every night that people are going to watch or whatever show we're doing, it's like it all builds up to that. And you don't necessarily realise the experiences that you're having will make you better when you've got that opportunity. And so, um, you know, I think success is when the sort of luck and opportunity and hard work all clash at the same time and
0: i i I say that to to people too i say whatever it is you're asked to do do it better than anybody else Mm If you're asked to make a cup of coffee, then make the best cup of coffee. Know exactly how they like it. And point of difference with the cup of coffee, go buy some biscotti biscuits if you know they like that. And you buy it out of your pocket and you put it on the, you know what I mean? It's like that Rob point of difference. Rob likes
2: a Vente cappuccino. <laughs> and okay. and uh, I get it from every morning. Yeah, yeah. Sweetener, half a bag. <laughs> and uh, Do you I'm really pick up his coffee? No, no, I I was gonna I do so. I was going to say
0: that's so
2: Jesus nice. Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> Rob's screaming at everybody in the office. Yeah, get I'm, me my coffee. All this phones. kind. This bullshit, I have this a guy. feeling you're
0: you're the you're like the guy who would have been a good pilot and uh, you know under stress when something went wrong you would have oh keep, I don't agree your head? no <laughs> no you'd panic no? A, you think, as a oh, pilot
1: crashing we, a plane yes you're terrible. a warrior no no yeah.
0: but I mean if something was going wrong would you would you be calm or In who a would a plane
1: who in would a plane, be no? <laughs> no, uh, you've chosen yes, the wrong
0: thing. In a control oh, okay. room or something like sure. that. I'd be so fine. is this all an act, this cam thing? On oh, no, a TV to... wise. Oh yeah, TV
2: wise, I'd be all right. right. You, you put uh, me in a plane as a pilot. Yeah. I would never get on that plane. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Doesn't matter how many years of training. If Rob's <laughs> riding that plane, no. I wouldn't ride
1: on the planes that I imagine you have to ride on for Amazing Race. Yeah, yeah. Rob, I would well, never go to the place. Airlines you've
0: never heard of, and planes that were other airlines before, and then another airline. There's nothing like getting on a on a plane that says you know Sahara Airlines, and then you see that. On the tray table, it has Eastern, and you know yeah. that Eastern went out of
1: business thirty and years ago. Now planes, this plane other is other somehow still talking flying. to a guy. I,
2: he doesn't get in an elevator in the mornings. He walks up the stairs. That's, I mean, that's that's not a guy who's gonna be exercise. Flying and uh, yeah, no, that's
1: good for the hair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, if I saw a propeller, I'd have to quit my job. Okay. <laughs> I would not get on the plane. So uh, you don't want me piloting. No,
2: okay. but in a control room, you're right. Yeah, I'll be Call
1: all right. I'll be all right. You're who, who
0: is more calm under pressure, or are you guys both pretty cool
1: under pressure? we're both pretty calm under pressure yeah I don't yeah know. good i think yeah. we
2: contribute each other well we, we you like each other you very much yes. yeah very that's much. Nice. yeah that's nice you had to think about that for a second no, ben, no, no, no. Was, no, no, no. ben was, was like saying,
0: straight
1: yeah. away he went yeah and you yeah. went uh yeah because we respect each other i don't want to talk over him ah, so i was letting him say yes and then i was going to say but yes. you really like him yeah he's he, a wonderful guy you got no issues nothing we need to talk about no nothing no you're yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: sure anything you want because we could talk I have your email. We'll, yeah, you
1: just let me know. Just lay me down on a couch and talk calmly. <laughs> yeah. No, I, he's a I, wonderful I guy. And, I gotta say, I, 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 and I've said this to you other people uh, that sort of the great blessing of this show has been our relationship yep. because it was nothing that, uh, as I even mentioned earlier, it was the part that I was the most unsure of. And then it's been one of the most fulfilling parts of it has been how well we've gotten along. And so uh, I'm like, we'll forever be sort of honored by that.
2: Yeah, no, it's a. Bit, it's been brilliant. It has been. It's been. It's been the thing that should have worked the least. Yeah, two it's people who'd right. never met each other, having three months to get to know each other before they produced a show, and now, uh, yeah, there's. I genuinely can't remember an issue we've had. I'm looking genuinely. forward to
0: seeing what you guys are going to continue to do. You know all the other spinoffs. You know, I, yeah, I,
2: yeah. Hopefully, some more coming down the pike because I can see there's a
0: lot of stuff going on in there. Um, all right, so I end with a couple of questions, and, and uh, one is um, about a road trip. Okay. And I just want you to think about this for a second. If okay. you were going to drive across America, mm-hmm. let's say we're going to leave here because we're on the West Coast, and you're going to drive to New York, and you and you could take three companions in the car with you, living or dead. Uh, and we've talked about the intimacy, intimacy of a carpool karaoke, yep. where you're in the car. You really get to know people when you're on a road trip. And it can can be it be people place.
2: we know, or... It, no Look, it could be anybody so we're not supposed to say people we know we're yeah it to could say. be anybody you know could your wife it could okay. be you could yeah you
1: could, okay you could, you could take rob i
2: don't
1: think we're gonna do i mean that. i we don't want to throw it together all together yeah i'm fascinated by winston churchill but i think he'd be a horrible oh, guy to drive not, around I think of the smoke he also he takes up a lot of room could never take a shift driving i wouldn't mind spending a lot of time with steph curry Oh, yeah. Steph, Steph Curry would be one. a good one to take on a road trip.
0: Now, what is it about Steph Curry? I just think he's remarkable.
1: Yeah. I love him as an athlete. Love yeah. him as a basketball player. Uh, I think he seems like a lovely guy. Uh, very uh, beautiful relationship with his wife and his kids. Uh, and he's like, from our experience with him at the show, quick with a smile, easy going. Uh, not too tall, so he'd be comfortable. Hmm.
2: <laughs> um, I think so thoughtful of you. Yeah. you worry about his comfort. I want to make sure he's okay in Alright, so for two long more people in the car with you. Okay, I'm gonna go I'm gonna start with Tom Hanks. Yep. Um, I think well you owe him. We owe him. Yeah you I owe him a lift. I think there's a guy who is kind and funny, good company. I think that if I was driving across country, I think if Tom Hanks was in the back, I think it's gonna be more fun. Yeah Come to you.
1: Tom Hanks would be good. Uh, I would take my wife. Yep. Uh, he'd have to. <laughs> just because just just she's watching or yeah uh yeah no she's uh <laughs> your best I, friend yeah and i like spending time with her but but, is she uh, gonna
2: get along with steph curry yeah i
1: think so okay steph curry might be a threat kind of, to you know my i've religion. got to, i've got to uh, say i've never had anybody
0: think this out so well, but i yeah. love it by the way i'm just yeah. saying clearly you guys are running a television show because you really think things out
1: Yeah, we don't. I I do think that uh, much to the writer's chagrin some of the time, we think things out a lot because, uh, you know, the adage in late night used to be uh, there's another one tomorrow. Yeah. And so everything was disposable because you just do a show, try some stuff out. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But nothing's disposable anymore. Everything lives forever between YouTube, Facebook and every other uh, spot you can put it. So we don't rehearse on air uh and i think a lot of shows uh rehearse or used to rehearse on air where you'd see if the comedy bit worked and if it didn't you're still broadcasting it and so we do have we do tend to think things out a little too carefully
2: my next one's gail king mm. oh wow I think, wow okay i think we would be up to date with the news yeah she's good fun she's great fun she'd be great she companion. is a lot of fun she'd be very good for the conversation she'd yeah. keep tom hanks interested yeah she yeah. would be very good i imagine with driving directions i think she's great lovely and uh, I think Gail King will be fun. I think Gail yeah. King, Tom Hanks.
0: You've got one more.
2: I'll go J.J. Reddick, The Sixers. Uh, wow. Wow. I'm a big fan of J.J. Reddick. I'll go okay. for him. I think he would be great company with yeah. Tom Hanks and Gail King. I think it's a. I think it's a good. What I think that's going to be guy. a good, interesting guy, fascinating athlete. Always knows a good restaurant. So he'd like plot out where you're going to eat on the way. Yeah. I think and that podcasting. was my three and we could do a po- hour long podcast. We could do a podcast and I think that um, we would both also take the extra person of James because we would never leave James behind. So we're both going to take James in, in the, the trunk. There's always yeah. room in the trunk. This trunk. Yeah. 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 So that's yeah. what, so James is our added addition Didn't to Then we have to sing. Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: Turn the tables on you yeah. guys. All right. Last day on earth. What would you do with it? You're
1: with I mean you spend it with your family. Yeah, I know, yeah. I would just go pure as sentimental and just yeah, I would hang too. with my wife and kids.
2: Same. I'd fly to London as quick as I could. Mum, dad, brother, sister, Ruby, Mary, go to Kaifeng, our favourite Chinese restaurant. We'd just eat peeking duck in there until it all ends. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much. Thank you I, very I think much. you guys
0: better get to work. Yes, yeah, um, absolutely. Sure. I just got I got a nice text to see from uh, James. Saying, where he's, are these guys? Said, Listen, the new ideas. stop taking up all the time. Yeah, I uh, know. We've got a show to make and they've yeah. got some work to do. Nice to see
2: you. Well, thanks yes, for this having wonderful. us. wonderful. Thank you very much for having us. You got
0: it. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. To see more great interviews, go to PhilCogan.com and subscribe to Bucket with Phil Cogan wherever you get your podcasts. Please consider rating and reviewing us and follow Bucket, that's Bucket with an IT, on Instagram and Facebook. Also, follow me on Twitter, at Phil Kogan. See you soon.